0: Here. Um, I wanted to put this at the beginning of the podcast because when we were doing the lesson, we ended up not recording the first part of the lesson. So I wanted to put this in here at the beginning just to bring you up to speed before the recording started. So we've been in a series that we've titled One Thing is Needful. And we've been talking about our communication with God because when it comes to our communication with God, Everything flows out of that when it comes to our spiritual walk. And so when it comes to our communication with God, it's got to be a top priority. When we looked at the picture from the past few weeks, we've really been focusing on the heart part of that picture and how that everything that we do as a believer comes out of our heart and why we spent so much time at the very beginning talking about keeping our heart And learning how to keep our heart. Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So we really need to learn how to allow God's heart, God's thoughts, God's ways, which is God's word, to take precedence in our life above what we think and what we feel. In essence, we are submitting everything that we are to God and letting him drive everything that we do. And then once we do that, then it becomes a whole lot easier for us to read God's word with a right heart attitude, and to take the time that we need to pray to him each day and throughout the day, as the Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. This led us into a little bit of time talking about reading God's word, and making sure that it's a priority in our life. And really the whole point that we drove home during that part of the lesson was talking about the way that you treat God's word is the same way that you treat God, because Jesus is called the word of God. So that's important for us to consider in this topic. And then from there, we started talking about prayer and really learning how to pray. And just the fact that the disciples, when they heard Jesus pray in the garden, they really were in awe of his prayer because they had never heard anyone pray like him before. And that's where they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so we spent some time last week talking about how to learn how to pray. And the one thing that we mentioned is that you really can't learn how to pray unless you actually start praying. It's the only way we can really learn how to pray unto our God the best way and how he desires to have a real relationship with us. And so as we got started with this this other part of the topic of prayer, kind of our part two of prayer, we wanted to focus on two major topics, and that is praying in secret and praying with importunity, and so we opened up the praying with secret section just talking about Matthew chapter six, verses five through eight, which says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And so we really spent some time talking about how these hypocrites only pray to be seen of men. And Jesus says in verse five that they have their reward. But when we pray, there should be a special intimate time between you and God alone, where really only God knows some of these things that you pray about and that you talk about with him. These are not things to be seen of other people. And that's also why the previous week when we talked about prayer, we really talked about the fact that your true spiritual walk is manifested by your private prayer life because no one else hears or sees your prayer, your intimate time with the Lord, except for you and God. So prayer is really a true expression of our actual faith in God and belief in his word. And so before we got into some of the details about praying in secret, uh, I mentioned a few quotes from a book that I had read on prayer, and it was just really good to reflect over. So I'm going to read those here. It was Jesus' habit to withdraw into a solitary place to pray. He needed the fenced spaces of silence. Why does God insist upon the inner chamber and the closed door? The first reason is that the first quality God requires in prayer is reality. Hypocrites never pray in secret. Prayers that are pretense require an audience. They are intended to be heard of men, and they have their reward in skill of phrasing, a show of earnestness, and a reputation for piety. These things do not count with God. They cannot live in his presence. Prayer is between the soul and God alone. In private prayer, the soul stands naked and alone in the presence of God. Thought is personal. Prayer is original, motive is challenged. The secret place of prayer should be part of the daily life, a part of the daily dwelling place. Some some place must be found that shall be a trysting place with God. A hungry heart will find a way. In the open air or in some secluded corner, some inner sanctuary will be found. If this advantage is impossible, the soul must make an open space into which it can withdraw, even in the presence of others, and be alone with God. The secret place is the place of intercession. That is the place where we can talk freely to God about other people. The family, the church, the business, the friendships, the state, the world are all subjects of earnest and believing private prayer. Keep a list of subjects for intercession and always have a list of people for whom you pray. It is not necessary to tell anyone else the things you tell God. The Father is in secret. He sees in secret. He hears in secret. Leave it to him to make it known. And so some of these things really brought out in our lesson the fact that we need to pray in the secret place as a priority. And that's our first point in the whole topic of praying in secret. And we spent some time talking about in Mark 6, 46 and in Luke 6, 12 and in Luke 22, verse 40, how Jesus had a certain place that he always resorted to in prayer. The same place that he went, oftentimes with his disciples, is the same place he went at the very end, right before he was crucified, where he went to a certain place and that's where he poured out his heart unto God and how there should always be a place for us that we have where we can spend time, some good quality alone time with God and really make it a priority. You know, one of the things that, that we need to consider, especially within our church, is that we are very Bible-centric. And oftentimes, people that are very Bible-centric and they're very big on doctrine, they can tend to neglect the prayer life. And that's something that I've seen in my own life and I've seen in the lives of others. And it's something that we cannot neglect because our communication with God is absolutely essential. And it's definitely been a weak spot in my own heart. And then that leads us to the passage where we're going to pick up with our recording here with Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. We read that verse, and that's the verse where it talks about when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the writing that was going to condemn him and really sentence him to death for praying unto God. He knew the writing was signed. And yet he still went into his his area, to his certain place, and he kneeled and prayed unto God as he did aforetime. It was such a priority for him and in his life that it was worth risking his life in order to cultivate and maintain a good relationship with God. And so that leads us into our recording for the rest of the lesson. And I just wanted to make sure that everybody was up to speed because that was a big chunk they got missed at the very beginning of the recording. So, hopefully, you're now up to speed, and I pray that the rest of this lesson would be a blessing unto you.
1: He's in the lions den.
0: Uh, no, not the lions den. This happened actually before the lions den.
2: All right, what do you got, Emily? Uh,
3: was that when they made the like the laws that you can pray to anybody except for the king?
0: Yes. So this is where they were trying to trap Daniel and they knew that Daniel prayed three times a day and then him getting caught. Then this is what led him to go into the lines then after this. And so this is where they knew that he was someone that had a real relationship with God, that Daniel prayed in secret. He prayed in secret. He made it a priority in his life and he knew that this writing was signed and that if he were to continue to exercise his relationship with God, in this fashion that he would get in major trouble and that he could be killed. And what did he decide to do? Did he decide to cave and just say forget it? No, he's like no, I have a real relationship with God. His relationship with me and mine with him is so much of a priority that I don't care what the law says. I'm not going to violate my relationship with God. And he was in his own private quarters and he prayed unto God and at that point in time then that's when they caught him and they busted him and they threw him into the lines then but I like how this was worded. He knew the writing was signed, but yet he went into his house. His windows are being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem because he was constantly praying about Jerusalem. He knew what God said in the prophecies that led to their captivity in Babylon and then with Persia here. And he knew that he absolutely knew what God said. And he knew that there's going to be 70 years that were determined upon God's people about the whole, the 70 week prophecy. And he knew that there's gonna be 70 years of captivity and so here you have him continuing to exercise his faith and praying unto God as he did aforetime. And so in this circumstance, his prayer life was a priority, even to the point where he was going to be killed for it. I think there are a lot of Christians today that if their life was threatened, they would completely and totally hide their Christianity as much as possible. So that way they would not die. And I think that there is definitely... Um, a a sense of that a little bit today, Um, but you're really going to find out who is genuine and who isn't when there starts to become laws that are passed where they basically say you are not free to worship your God and your Savior. You're not not free to do that because there's a lot of people that are going to say it's not worth losing my life over. Daniel was willing to lose his life over his prayer life. That's pretty significant. And I think that's something that we need to really consider of how much our prayer life needs to be a priority. Praying in secret unto our God needs to be a priority. And so um, that's just one thing that I really wanted to bring to the table with this point with Daniel, because Daniel is such a great example of that. So making it a priority. All right, so the next thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to praying in secret is pray face-to-face as a man with his friend. Now, this is an interesting concept because I think for a lot of people, their view of God is um, very, very different than what it ought to be. When God says that the type of relationship he desires to have with you and I is a relationship that is really based upon our friendship with him, that we have the ability to talk freely with him and to talk face to face as we would with our friend. So a good verse on this one is Moses in Exodus 33. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. God spoke with Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. God was not afraid to talk to Moses, and Moses was not afraid to talk to God either. There was an element of, I'm sure there was respect moses and there are certain things that he didn't say just because he had a respect for god Um, but he spoke to him as a man would with his friend which means that there's openness and there's honesty there's genuineness you know i would much rather have someone come to me and talk to me truthfully and honestly about how they feel and what's going on in their life than for them to just make me think that everything is just fine and someone that is a true friend feels the exact same way in those types of circumstances God does not want you to be fake. He does not want you to be a hypocrite. He wants you to be honest. He wants you to be real. And when you're talking with him, you've got to be honest. If you're not willing to be honest with God, you're not going to be willing to be honest with other people. It's just not going to work out. You've got to be honest with God. And if you're honest with God, you'll be able to be honest with other people. God desires to have that kind of relationship with you. Another good verse on this one um, that I have listed there is in, um, Uh, we already talked about the one in Matthew, uh, Matthew 6. Um, But Deuteronomy 34.10 is another one where it speaks very similarly about how there wasn't anyone that came to Moses or there wasn't any other prophet that rose up like unto Moses that spoke with God face to face as a man does with his friend. In fact, the only other prophet that was like that that came after Moses would have been Jesus. And that's why Jesus had such an incredible prayer life. So that's an interesting concept to really consider. Okay, so that covers the whole praying in secret. So just in summary, with talking about praying in secret. This is something that needs to be a part of your life. Praying in secret needs to be a priority. You need to have a place where you can go to talk to God between you and him alone. You really are only as strong of a Christian as you are in your prayer life because it's something that is only between you and God alone. And I have to remember this kind of stuff, because for me, it's very easy for me to get very busy in ministry tasks that I really neglect sometimes uh, praying to God the way that I ought to. So that's talking about praying in secret. Now, the next part that I want to talk about is uh, praying with importunity. Praying with importunity. Anybody have a good definition of importunity? We talked about this on and off over the years, so some of you might have a good definition of it. Importunity. Haley,
2: what do you got? I forgot to
1: unmute myself. Okay. Kind of just like a continuous like effort to do it, even when it gets difficult. uh, Like you're persistently like
3: pursuing it.
0: Yes. I think the key word there is persistence. Persistence. Praying with importunity. That you continue and you do not stop. The greatest passage on this one is going to be Luke 18. So go to Luke 18. God gives a couple different passages that are great examples of this one. But Luke 18, we'll look at this one first. And then look at a couple excerpts and then get into another passage of this one. All right. But Luke 18. Luke 18.
2: All
0: right. Verse one. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, which is a great example of the definition of importunity, to always pray, not to faint, not to quit, saying, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Okay, so there's a couple things that are very interesting. First of all, this judge that this woman is going to, Jesus right out of the gate says that he is an unjust judge. So he is not righteous. He is not godly. He is not doing anything that pleases God. He is an unjust judge. And this man was willing to go and do anything that this woman said because she kept coming to him over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And she would not stop. And so he finally was just like, oh, you know what? All right, fine, fine. I'll just, whatever she wants, I'll just go and do. I just need to get her off my back. So that's the unjust judge. And so then God then provides a contrast. And he says, so here what this unjust judge says, verse 7, And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? Of course, when we talk to God, we are never a bother to him, ever, ever. We are never a bother to God. It doesn't matter how many times we pray about something and we pray about it over and over and over and over again. We are never a bother to him, ever. He wants to give us what we're asking. We're his kids. We belong to him. He doesn't, he's not like this unjust judge. It's like, oh, fine, whatever. I'll do what you ask. No, he loves us and he cares about us. And so when you bring things to him continually over and over and over again, he's never bothered by that. But then notice what else he says in verse eight. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Okay, this question at the very end of verse 8, connected with this whole scenario, is very important. He's basically saying, when the Son of Man comes, and this is not the rapture, but it's also part of that too, because we're in the last days. So when Jesus Christ comes, at his second coming, and even at the rapture, shall he find faith on the earth? True biblical faith is always connected to your secret prayer life. It is always connected to your ability to pray with importunity, to pray and to not stop. That really is a great measure of your faith because he says, nevertheless, after all this, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And of course the answer assumed is no, he's not going to be able to find faith on the earth because people have quit There's no more faith because there's no more praying unto him because no one is really believing in him the way that they ought to. So that's something really deep that we need to consider in our own hearts and lives, because I know there's been times in my life where I have stopped praying about things just because I've grown tired and worried about praying about it. I feel like God's not hearing and he's not listening. And so why am I going to just continue to pray about it? And maybe the reason why God isn't answering is not because it's a no, but it could be because it's a not right now and he's waiting to see what your heart attitude actually is about that thing. Cause it's a true test of your faith. Sometimes God doesn't answer not because it's a no, but because he's telling you to wait and he wants to see how earnest and genuine you are about that particular prayer. You know, I'll never forget when Megan and I just kind of went through and you know, we prayed Megan way more than me. I know about when it came to um, us being able to sell our house up in Akron and finding a place for our family. Now that we have in North Canton, you know, we had our house in the market for four years without a single offer. I mean, talk about feeling like God is like, okay, God, do you even hear us? Do you even know what's going on? Do you even know the motives of our heart? Do you know what we want? Do you know what, that we do want to glorify you that we want a place where we can raise our kids that we can have a place where we can have ministry things, where we can serve you, serve your body. And for almost four years, we're sitting here and there's no clear direction. I mean, that was a huge, huge test of whether or not we continue to believe him and to trust him and to follow him, knowing that he knows what he's doing. That wasn't easy. And so there are times in our life where God will do that and allow those circumstances to unfold in your life, just for you to be able to see what are the motives of your heart. And if you're actually genuine about your prayers towards him and your relationship with him. So that gives us our first point here that I want to talk about. And that is praying, praying with importunity. The point that I want to hit here is labor in your prayers. When you pray, do you labor in your prayers? Labor in them. Not flippant, but do you labor in them? And before we hit these verses, just a few things about importunity that I wanted to read off your guys' study sheet here real quick. is um, Our Lord himself prayed with intensity and importunity. He rose early to pray. He spent all nights in prayer. The epistle to the Hebrews in chapter 5 and verse 7 tells us that he offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears. The awe of Gethsemane is full of mystery. He called upon God as Father, but in his praying, there was the sweat and agony of blood. He kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing... If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And being in agony, he prayed the more earnestly, and his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Matthew tells us that he prayed a third time using the same words. He wrought many mighty works in nature and in men, calming the tempest, casting out devils, raising the dead. But in none of them is there any trace of strain or travail. Virtue went out of him, and he wearied in toil, but there was the ease of mastery in all that he did. But of his praying, it is said, as he prayed, he sweat. He prayed in an agony unto blood. If God be Father, why such agony in the praying of his Son? You know, before even going to this next paragraph, that that absolutely boggles my mind. It blows my mind. It really... Captivates my attention when I think about, yeah, I mean, when it came to calming the storm, when it came to casting out devils, even ones that his disciples couldn't do, when it came to raising the dead, he didn't even break a sweat. Like it was nothing for Jesus. And yet, when he prayed in the garden, he prayed in agony. And if Jesus prayed that way, then there's no doubt that we need to learn how to pray very similarly. So even the idea of wrestling is associated with prayer. It is not suggested that we wrestle with God, but there is a grip and grappling that calls for vigilance and concentration. It is quite clear that prayer is not the easy thing that seems to be implied in the simplicity of asking our Heavenly Father for what we want and getting it. There is travail in it. There is work in it. There is entreaty in it. There is importunity in it. Maybe Coleridge, and he's quoting something from what he mentioned earlier, was not far wrong when he spoke of, a prayer, of prayer as the highest energy of which the human heart is capable and the greatest achievement of the Christian's warfare on earth. Intensity is a law in prayer. God is found of those who seek him with all their heart. Wrestling prayer prevails. The fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous is, a, is, is of great force. God hates strange fire. We must never try to work up an emotion of intensity. Avoid all that is mechanical and perfunctory. Shun the casual and flippant. Suspect all easy and cheap methods like that of the bank and and the store. Leave all directors and prompters to the place of the corporate and liturgical prayer. When alone with God, be alone with him. Begin in silence. Speak with simplicity. Listen in meekness. Never leave without a conscious season of real communion. We have not to persuade God but he has to discipline and prepare us. So these are just great concepts to follow, great things to think about. When we pray, do we actually mean what we say? Are we praying with intensity because we actually believe God is able to answer this uh, according to his will and for his honor and glory? So so this whole concept of laboring in your prayers, there's three verses that I want to hit, and so I want to split this up. Um, So I get two volunteers. One person take Colossians 4.12. Who will take Colossians 4.12? Bobby. And then uh, James 5.16-18. through 18. Who would like to take that one? Uh, let me see if I can pull everybody's up. You got to do it this way. Okay, Tyler. All right, so Tyler, go ahead and take James 5.16-18. through 18. And then everybody else go to Luke 11. So you should be in Luke 18. Just back up a little bit to Luke 11. All right, Bobby, whenever you're ready, Colossians 4.
2: Epaphras,
4: who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in
0: prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Okay, awesome. I love that verse. So, Epaphras, now, those of you that have been part of our daily reading, we just hit Colossians. Who is Epaphras? You remember? Someone from our daily reading. What was that one? Who is Epaphras? Samuel.
4: Uh, He was the pastor at the Church of Colossae, right? Yes.
0: Okay, yeah. Yep, he was likely the pastor of the Church of Colossae. So the the interesting thing about the book of of Colossians is that Paul never met the people of Colossi, And it's quite likely that the church in Colossae actually started from a church plant out of Ephesus. And so Epaphras was likely the pastor of that church. And he came to Paul, talking to Paul about all the stuff that was going on. In Colossae, and then that's where the epistle to the Colossians actually came about. So it says, according to that verse that Bobby just read, that he labored fervently in prayers for them. And that is something that uh, the heart of a pastor should always be doing, is having a heart for his people and laboring fervently in prayers. All right, James 5, 16-18, Tyler.
4: Confess your faults to one another, and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit.
0: Okay, awesome. So that's a great example of of, uh, Elijah. And now he prayed fervently, and God heard his prayer and answered it. But it says in that verse before that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There are times where you may feel like you praying does not accomplish anything. That is simply not true. That is not true at all. God is always accomplishing something through your prayers. God is moved by your prayers. And there are things that he does in you and around you because of the way that you pray toward him. And so we need to believe that, and we need to pray fervently, because it actually will do something. And then Luke 11, um, I love this one with importunity, because it's another interesting uh, pattern that he gives, another good example of uh, verses 5 through 13, of what really the importunity actually means, and how God feels about it. So verse, verse 5, okay, Luke 11, it says, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend... And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given unto you, given you, seek, and ye shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, what I love about this passage is he kind of gives this example, and I love this example. So the picture is that you have a guy who has company coming over, and it's kind of unexpected, and he wasn't as prepared as he should have been. So um, let's just say for the sake of an example, I don't know, let's pick two of you. So let's go, I don't know, let's do Gavin, because you're right in the middle of the screen, 1970s. So Gavin, let's say you're the guy who... Yeah, is uh coming, so someone's coming over to your house. So who's coming over to your house, Gavin? Pick somebody. Gibson. All right, so Gibson, Rag hair Gibson is coming over to your house, and you weren't prepared. Oh, he's wearing a hat now. Okay. All right, so so Gibson's coming over to your house, and you have nothing prepared for him. You have no food, nothing's prepared. And so now you're going to go to a really good friend, and you're going to ask him for food. So who's your really good friend that you're going to go to to ask for food? Tyler. Tyler. Okay. So imagine this. So you got, so you guys are all grown up. Tyler now has his own family, his own kids and stuff. And uh, Brandon, you live in what state, Brandon? Pick a state. Um,
4: Rhode Island. North
0: Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina. All right, Gavin, you're in Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, Brandon, you're in, in North Carolina and you all of a sudden stop in And uh, you're staying over at uh, Gavin's house. And he was like, oh, shoot. I forgot he's coming. I don't got food. I need to figure something else because I'm going to be a terrible host. Which, I mean, it's already evident that you are a terrible host because you didn't remember that your friend's coming. Anyway, so what you end up doing is that you travel over to Tyler's house, which Tyler has to live in Rhode Island, too. Otherwise, this doesn't make any sense. So there you go. So, Tyler, you show up on Tyler's door. It's now midnight, and you're knocking on his door. You're like... Tyler is like, ah, oh. he gets out of bed. His kids are sleeping. Wife's sleeping. Someone's knocking on the door. Just He's like, what is this? This is so weird. Someone's knocking. I don't really get it. And so he goes down, and he's already in his heart. He's like, who could be knocking at the door at this hour? This is absolutely ridiculous. My kids are in bed. My wife's in bed. I'm just telling you, this is, this, there's got to be a good explanation. So he looks through the window of the door, and there he sees Gavin. And as soon as he sees Gavin, he's like, oh, it's Gavin All right, so there's got to be something going on. I hope he's okay. And so he opens up the door and he's like, hey man, what's up? You're like, dude, I don't got any bread. (laughs) He's like, why are you bothering me about bread? But I don't have any bread. Gibson just popped over. I forgot he was coming. I'm a terrible friend. I am absolutely terrible friend. Like the worst ever. But I need bread. And while you're at it, you got any eggs? I got to make him breakfast in the morning. He eats like a dozen eggs in one sitting. So Tyler's like, Dude, of course, I got you. I got it. So he goes and he gets the stuff. He's no longer bothered. Now, the reason why he's no longer bothered is because he sees Gavin. He sees that Gavin is in need and Gavin is in great agony because he doesn't want to upset Brandon. Because when Brandon is upset, man, it gets like total drama city. So, (laughs) So it completely changes the dynamic of the circumstance. And see, this is how God is with us. You know, I, I mentioned before that when praying in secret, like, and especially this widow that goes and he talks to the unjust judge, that we're never a bother to God. Like, you need to picture it this way. God desires to hear you. He desires to help you. And when you come to him with the heart of importunity that is just consistent and that you don't stop and you have a great passion and a great need and you go to God, man, it is in God's heart to give you that to answer that, to take care of you. That's how much he loves and he cares about us. But how many of us never go to God? We never go to him and we never talk to him about what's going on in our heart and our mind. A lot of times this happens, that we're so worried and consumed about these things that are going on in our life that we never go to God when we ought to go to God with the stuff that's on our heart and in our minds. We need to do that. God earnestly desires to hear from you. He's waiting for you. He wants to answer you. You've got to go to him. And he wants you to come with him with openness, with honesty, and with passion, with fervency. And he doesn't want you to stop. And by the way, it's the greatest way you can show that you have faith in God is when you do this kind of stuff. Because people that don't have faith in God, they don't do this kind of stuff. They never talk to him. They never bother God. And that bothers God. they're never at his doorstep. They're never at his door. They never knock. And that's why he says, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I love that acronym. A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. And people that are really wanting to get an answer from God, they don't stop. They don't stop. So I really love that passage. So, Uh, The other thing I wanted to bring up, too, is pray according to the will of God. So pray uh, with that importunity. um, And then another aspect of that that I wanted to hit was pray according to the will of God. Now, praying according to the will of God can be very easily summarized in two verses. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Notice what it says: If you ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. So that God will answer those requests that you ask, but it is according to his will. And then in John chapter fifteen, verse seven, it gives us the key as to praying according to his will: If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The key to getting your prayers answered appropriately is that you need to abide in him and his words abide in you, which means you are praying in, in, uh, right in line with the word of God. Whatever God desires, you are praying that because you are close to him. He is close to you. You're abiding in him. His words are abiding in you, and you pray according to the will of God, and it will be answered. It will. That's why a lot of times, even in my own life, you know, I think about the fact that, um, you know, when I pray, sometimes I will pray very selfishly. And when I pray selfishly, I always need to check my heart and bring it back like Jesus did in the garden where I say unto God, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I love how Aaron said that tonight in his devotional. It's so true. I mentioned that a couple times already. If you want to pray selfishly, go for it. But you better understand that you don't know what's best. God knows what's best, and you need to surrender to Him and basically say, God, this is what I want. But ultimately, I want what you want because I know that you want what is best. And so I'm going to yield to you on that. Another verse that I wanted to talk about on this same topic is uh, James 4 3, where it talks about another reason why we oftentimes may not get answered prayers, it says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Sometimes our prayers are just so selfish, and we're so self-centered, and God's not going to answer those prayers. He's not going to give us the things that we desire, because we are only asking it to consume it upon our own lusts. But I will say that sometimes, if we keep asking God over and over and over, he will give you what you're asking for, even though it might be selfish. And then you're going to have to learn the hard way about praying according to the will of God. And that God actually does know what's best. So you need to consider that as well. So that is James 4.3. I wanted to kind of cap it off with that one. So let me see here. Okay. So now let's talk about the discussion. So after everything we've talked about so far, praying in secret, um, praying with importunity, want to have a little bit of a discussion before we talk about our challenge so so far out of the things we talked about what has really maybe stood out to you um has been a challenge to you something that really God spoke to your heart um and don't ever be afraid to share about those things because uh anytime that something's going on in your own heart I, I guarantee you that there's somebody else in this group that kind of feels the same way that there's something else that's happening in their heart how God's convicting them so what do you got what stood out to you the most or convicted you about this lesson? Maybe something that God convicted you about personally? <sighs> Sam, kick it off.
4: Hello it's the biggest thing that really stuck out to me is just the matter of praying with intensity. And just in my prayer life um, there, I mean, I think of Jesus, you know, praying until he was literally sweating blood and like, that's would be like the definition of praying with intensity. And a lot of times in my prayers, um, they're not that intense, like, or they don't, it's not at a point where my heart is really completely in it. There are times where, you know, I am praying intensely and my heart like hurts for certain topics, but it's not often enough. So I guess that's just the biggest thing is just the fact of praying. I, I love the word intensity.
0: Yeah. But yeah, me too.
4: That's just that aspect of what we talked about.
0: Yeah. The biggest. Thing. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, the other part that comes with intensity is that You can't, you can't, I mean, I'm not going to say you can't pray for five minutes and be intense. I mean, you can, but if you're going to pray with intensity, man, it's going to, it's going to be meaningful. It's going to, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think that's another reason why people don't do it, um, because they don't have time to be intense with God. (laughs) they got too much to accomplish. So, um, yeah, that's good. Awesome. All right. Emily Boffman, what do you got?
3: Um, this might sound kind of weird. (laughs) Um. considering what we were talking about tonight, but just over the past couple weeks, I've been really just convicted, and, um, like, I'm always afraid to pray in front of people, which I know we're kind of talking about the opposite tonight, but, like, because over the past, like, this past school year, I haven't been doing, you know, absolutely outstanding, and, you know, my relationship with God, I kind of fell away and got lazy, and so I feel like my prayer life really was the thing that suffered uh, the most out of that, and then I just feel like, uh, this sounds bad, but, like, I just feel like my prayers are not good enough, but then, you know, I'm praying to God I should want to do that, Um, so then, like, over the past week for, like, on the Zoom calls and stuff like that, I've been kind of, like, making myself, like, pray, and, but then I get, like, super self-conscious and always, like, thinking about what everybody's thinking about what I'm saying, But that shouldn't be the case. I should just be talking and kind of what Sam was saying, like, with intensity, like, he's my father, he's my daddy, he's my best friend, and, like, I want to share things with him, and I want to be asking him for things and really be, like, sincere and stuff like that and not just worrying about what other people are saying with me. And then also, like, in private and um, just, again, like, kind of what Sam was saying, like, having that intensity, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's good. It's true. And that's where, you know, I think sometimes when we pray corporately, we have to pray corporately in order for us to really get some of those things completely like out of our minds, because we have to remember who are we talking to? Why are we doing this? And the way that we pray in front of other people should be the same way that we pray in front of God privately. Um, Because who we are should be who we are, no matter where we are, and no matter what we're doing. It's a great sign of maturity. So that's good. That's good. Alana, what do you got?
1: Um, just what you said about really making prayer more of a priority in your life. I know last week I said, um, like in my Christian walk, my main focus was always, you know, getting in the Word, making sure I'm studying the Bible, reading it every day. And then I feel like I totally just like cast aside my prayer life. Like, okay, like I need to pray, but it's not as important as reading your Bible, which it's not true at all. Prayer is very important. And I think of Daniel, you know, I've heard that story hundreds of times, but like hearing it now, I'm thinking like, wow, like he literally risked his life just to have a conversation with God. Like, that's crazy. Like I get insecure praying in front of people. Like I feel you, Emily, like whether it's in front of um, our youth group or maybe at school when I'm praying for like lunch, whatever, like I just, you know, I can get insecure and I can get focused on what's going on around me. And you know, it's more of like, I have to do this. than like, I need to do this. I need to talk with God. So just making prayer more of a priority. That's what stuck out to me.
0: Awesome. That's good. Thanks, Lana. All right, Haley, what do you got?
1: Um, I like what you said about um, keeping some things that are said between, like, me and God. I I didn't really, like, think too much into depth about that. I think we tend to just tell people a lot. Like, I know whenever something happens, like, I always have to tell someone. Like, Mm -hmm. so just, like, being able to say, okay, God, you know, I trust you with this situation. And I trust you without having to, like, go tell everyone that I'm praying this for them. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, sometimes some of the most moving prayers are people that have been praying for other people for years, and those people never knew anything about it. It's going to be interesting one day when we get to heaven, and there are certain things that we never knew, like we never knew. We never knew what someone did, how someone prayed. Um, You know, just some of those things that, man, it's a blessing to God's heart uh, when he sees one of his children praying for somebody else and not really letting anyone else know about it and caring very deeply about it. Um, I think that means a lot to the Lord, it does. Yep. Okay, all right, what else we got?
2: Anybody else? Let's get two more people.
0: Emily Owens.
3: Okay, so I think the biggest thing for me was um, the reference in Luke, he gave us, it was um, Luke eleven nine. 9. Mm -hmm. and just, like, I'm a super stubborn person. I'll fight God tooth and nail, like, in my prayers. Like, I'll just keep praying for something over and over again, and I'm asking the miss. but the Bible's very clear that if you do abide in Him, things will be given unto you, and just like you said, considering, kind of like how they say, like, careful what you wish for, Mm
1: -hmm. understanding
3: that, you know, there is power in prayer, and you have to be deliberate with what you pray, because you know, I've thought of some things where I've prayed about it and it's not in God's will, but then finally it happens and I regret it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't always want that to be the case. So I would say that was probably the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a really good reminder. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's, we all really struggle with that to a certain extent and we need to stick close to the Lord. And that's why I love verses like in Hebrews. um, I want to say it's either 13 around there but anyway it talks about how our god is a consuming fire and i love that concept because you know when you get close to fire i mean it burns and it burns whatever it has no respect of anything it's just going to burn and so when you take you know like a paper plate and you put it into the fire it becomes a part of the fire it's fuel for the fire it completely changes its composition into itself and that's how God is. When you get close to God, he is such a consuming fire that he literally changes you. He changes you more into himself. And, um, and that's such a, a great uh, thing to consider. Yeah, it's Hebrews 12, 29, for our God is, is a consuming fire. Um, and that's kind of how it is. The more time you spend with God, the more you become like him. Um, and that's also part of our problem. You know, we end up staying the same way that we are because we're not spending enough time with him. We're not allowing ourselves to be conformed into his image because we're spending too much time with time with ourself or with other people rather than him. So that's good. All right. What else we got? Ethan Frost. I feel like doing a chant there. Um, Ethan Frost. <laughs>
5: um, so um, um, something that um, I feel that I like sometimes struggle with in mean, my prayer room life is um, I guess I'm um, being, like, too self-centered, um, I guess. I'm, like, sometimes I feel, I'm, like, I'm, I'm just praying just so I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm ask God for, like, th- or like, some, th- for some pain and stuff. And, like, sometimes I might just forget about the um, relationship, i I'm like sometimes I forget about I'm like the relationship and aspect and stuff. I'm, I'm like I don't thank him enough for everything. Um, he's um already given with um, me um like him um, all of the blessings that he's given me. Um I and um my um life and stuff. Um, man, I'm also. I've been trying to do this more um, recently, but um, like, am I am um, used to like not be good? I'm with praying for um, for like, um, other people who's home. Um, that's just so yeah. That's just something that I might also have
0: to yeah. um, work on. I think. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's why, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to do, but once you start getting into the habit, it's a lot easier. I have a list of, of everybody in the youth ministry, and I'm not as consistent as I, as I need to be, but I will go down through my list. I have in my journal that I write in daily, I've handwritten all of your names in the beginning of my journal, and, um, and sometimes I'll just open up my journal, and I'll start kind of working my way down through all the names and if there's any of you that really pop out to me at that point in time, for whatever reason, you know, just making it a habit to be praying more for you, not just in general, like God, I pray for the youth industry, but praying more specifically as I'm looking at all of your guys' names and stuff. Um, and that's something very important to do. I try to talk with God first and then talk about the people of God after. And so that's something that, um, that I really encourage you guys to do. Uh, and in group me, I put a, the student contact um, list in there a couple times. And I can do it again. I might as well just drop it. It may not have the most accurate information, but it has everybody's names, so I'll put it in the group chat again. Let's see if it did it. I don't think it did. Come on. Maybe it did. Anyway, not working, but anyway, I'll just, I'll put it in there again. Um, I'll put it in the group me, so that way you guys can just have a list of everybody's names that you can kind of be going through and praying for uh, different people that come to your mind and um and there's just people that you know might be struggling and you don't know but maybe if you're looking at that name and you're like oh man i need to pray for that person do it i mean why would it be a bad decision to do that (laughs) you know um so that's something really important to consider uh especially in it's a great way to even apply some of the stuff we're talking about tonight so okay
2: what else we got any other thoughts sam So, uh, this, um, I guess this more
4: comes towards not personal prayer in my life, but just something I struggle with as far as balancing, like sharing, sharing prayer requests as far as ministry
2: Uh huh.
4: and something I kind of talked to you about the other day, but yeah, I struggle as far as like witnessing opportunities or other ministry opportunities, always sharing them with others because I have, I struggle with the balance of if I share those things, will I come across as prideful?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Like if I witness to say any random person, like I struggle with the balance of, Hey, they're going to need prayer. Like mm-hmm. we should be praying for them to get saved. Or as far as like the, like the Bible study, I got to lay at school. I struggled sharing, just being open with that as far as prayer. Yeah. And just really balancing the, import, the importance of it because people need prayer. And when you mm-hmm. witness to people or you get the opportunity to, share the Bible or the gospel with others, you know, they need prayer. And I guess that's more of just a personal internal struggle that I have uh, as far as balancing pride. Yeah. But I guess that's another thing, just being open as far as ministry.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And we need to do that because, you know, even as you share different things, it's going to convict other people to, um, to do the same thing. You know, I think there's two ways we go about it because, you know, like even the the incredibly awesome, I love so much awkward moments that I ask for people to pray or prayer requests or whatever, you know, and I know that there's weird social dynamics to it, and I really don't care about it, um, but the one thing that's interesting about it is that if it's it's a lot easier just to say nothing, and if everyone says nothing, then it's just easier just to do that, but, you know, once you get someone to say something, then it kind of gives somebody else courage to say something else, and somebody else courage to say something else, and and the things that we do, I just want you to know the things that we do when we ask for prayer requests or if I ask someone to pray or if I ask someone to read, um, you know, I don't I do not do that in such a way so that way it's an opportunity for you to appear more spiritual. I don't do that. It's good for us to want to do that, even if you don't want to do it. Um, I don't think of it that way at all. Um, you know, I don't think the people that participate all the time, I don't think that they're necessarily walking with God better than anybody else. I don't think that way. Um I know more about their spiritual walk just because they're participating more, um, you know, but that doesn't mean that somehow, oh, well they, they must be doing really well because they're participating a lot. I, I, I never think that at all. I don't. Um, there's different personality types. And I know there's some people where it's a lot easier for them to do that than others. But I will say that there are certain people that may not speak very much, but when they do, it's very important. And so if God has laid something on your heart to speak or to share or to pray, don't hesitate. And, um, cause we're not in this for show. And, um, I just want to make sure that you guys understand that, which I think you do, but it's good to say it. So, okay. All right. Any other thoughts before we cut out? All right. Okay. So here's the challenge for this week. And this one's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. So last week's challenge was to pray for five minutes a day Try to find some alone time to pray for five minutes a day. If that was not successful, then go back to that and start that again. Um, but I will say this week, between now and next Wednesday, try to pray for 15 minutes a day. So this is going to be a little bit more of a challenge. And uh, what I have found, a couple of things just to keep in mind that, that have helped me, is setting a timer. If I go to a place, I'll set a timer for 15 minutes and just pray. Don't let anything interrupt you unless it's something that's you know important, obviously. But just set some certain time aside, set a timer, and just pray. If you're struggling with what to pray for, I sent the contact list out in the group chat just now. Um, So grab that. Make sure you download it to your device so that way you have that. You can be praying for people. There's always something to be praying for. Uh, Stuff in your own life, stuff in your family's life, stuff in everybody else's life. There's always something we can be praying for. Um, Another thing to just help you if you want to do this, this helps me too, is that I set uh, reminders to pray for people um, on certain days or even uh, if I want to pray for someone daily, I'll put them on a reoccurring reminder on my phone so they pop up every day so that way I have a reminder to pray for them. And I try to, as much as possible, when I see it, to pray for that on the spot. Um, So those are a couple of things that I've tried to utilize in order to get me uh, to remember to do some of those things. So anything like that you, that you can come up with, you know, try to figure out your own way of really making this work, but try to sit down and try to take 15 minutes a day straight to just pray and talk with God. Um, it's a good challenge. And you'll find that 15 minutes once you really get into it is really not enough time. So that'll be our challenge to carve out that much time. We should be able to carve out 15 minutes a day to really devote to something like this. So uh, we'll just make it a priority. All right. Okay. Well, that's all I got. All right. So Once again, another awkward moment. Who would like to pray to close this out?
2: Trevor will. (laughs) Can always count on Andy to volunteer people.
0: Pray right now, right now. (laughs) Do it,
2: or you'll get a spanking.
0: Are you pretending not how to work your phone?
4: You know how to work that phone. Pray now. Did I get it? Am I good?
0: Yeah, you're good now.
4: All right. So can I start or?
0: Uh, only if you're ready to pray. I mean, don't start if you're not ready.
4: <clears throat> I mean, I think I'm ready.
0: Okay. Do, you, do I need to pray for you so you can be ready to be praying for everybody else? Maybe. Do you need your phone for the words? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, we're not reverting back to the Catholic Church. Yeah, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> okay trevor go for it uh
4: dear lord uh, i just thank you for this day we can just uh all have on zoom i just thank you for all the technology we have so we can just all meet up like this uh it's a really good opportunity even for us just to talk to, to each other and figure out what's going on in our lives uh i just pray that we keep going everybody keeps going strong and um in Jesus name i pray amen
0: Amen. All right. So tomorrow daily reading, we're doing 1 uh, first Corinthians. We're in chapter four tomorrow. So if you can meet up with us, I'll put it out in group me, but it's from two to three tomorrow, uh, chapter four in first Corinthians. And we're working our way through that book chapter by chapter Monday through Friday. So hopefully you can join us. All right. Let me know if you need anything and guys, seriously, if there's anything that happens during the week where um, you know that you need prayer, you need to talk to somebody, don't hesitate, reach out to one of us leaders and we will, Uh, gladly do whatever we can for you so and hopefully we can figure out a time that we can meet up soon within the next two to three weeks um at at church so we'll see what happens you don't need your mask anymore i don't care what they're telling you you don't need it i've never needed it and underwear does not stop a fart a mask is not going to stop you from getting sick i'm just saying
4: all right we know that gavin there likes to wear a thong for men so it's definitely
0: not going to stop a fart so, no more masks, okay? As of Friday, or
5: I think Friday, I have to wear a mask right. at work. Here you go. There you go. Yeah. So go.
2: Andy, and does that mean I
5: can't it's kiss
2: you? So
5: <laughs> oh, you can kiss me.
4: <laughs> and if I don't wear a mask and I get yeah. fired, I'm going to blame it on you.
5: Yeah.
0: Awesome. What is happening? I can't even tell you how incredibly <laughs> – Okay, good night, guys. Bye, Steven. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I'm glad we get in on such great carnal wisdom. Thanks for blowing okay. everything that we just did. All right.
5: So guys. no podcasts. No case. Okay. Bye guys. Oh no, this
0: is going up on the podcast, whether anyone likes it or not. All right. Okay, see you guys. Okay,
5: bye. <laughs>